Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for our time together already, focusing um, on your greatness, the glory of our Lord Jesus, the King and the Saviour, the Lord of all. Um, we thank you for um, the way you've revealed yourself through the pages of Scripture, and we pray that as we uh, read, have the Bible read to us, and as Duncan comes to expand on it for us, um, we pray that you would speak to our hearts by your Spirit. Uh, that you would change us and shape us, um, change our lives, that you may be glorified in and through us and, uh, and remind us of your greatness. May we go away today learning something new, um, something more of your goodness to us in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Reading from John chapter 6 from verse 22 to 40. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Well, friends, the question that we're thinking about today in reflecting on this part of the Bible is what would it take for you to satisfy your hunger? What would it take for you to satisfy your hunger? It's a question that works on a number of different levels, 
Perhaps in the rush to get to church, you've skipped, skipped brekkie this morning, and your answer is, just let me get out to that lunch, <laughs> and that will, I'll be satisfied. Um, hunger is, we do have good lunches here, by the way. Uh, hunger is an incredibly powerful thing. Maybe you've got a particular food. Have you ever had this? You, even just thinking about the food causes you to salivate. For me, it's salt and vinegar chips. Oh, or a nice, thick, medium-rare steak. If you just let yourself think about it too long, you can feel your uh, kind of saliva glands going. Uh, for most people across the world, though, uh, those, those kinds of foods are unheard of luxuries, right? And diets are often dominated by one or two staple foods, um, <clears throat> the food that everyone eats all the time. So obvious... An obvious example is rice in Asian countries. Um, for the people of the first century, bread was kind of like that. Uh, it, it was life. It's what kept you going. It's what sustained you day by day, what you needed to survive. Uh, but of course, the question about being hungry works on another level too, doesn't it? There's a, there's a different, deeper hunger that we experience that kind of nagging sense of dissatisfaction of that feeling that things just aren't the way that they're supposed to be and that longing that they be that way. It's a sort of hunger that advertisers know all about. Um, I'm not a uh, sort of expert or anything like this, in this but I, I'm, what I'm told is there was this moment in the history of advertising, maybe someone can fill us in more about this, uh, but where advertising went from telling you information about products to this very different kind of thing that we have today when the advertisers realise that uh, what makes things sell is not so much information, it's longing, it's desire, it's hunger. So ads don't just tell us about information, they tug at your hunger. Uh, they make us feel like we need what they're selling. Uh, you, you, maybe you're up on this. The latest iPhone came out this week, um, and they are brilliant at this, right? So even though it hasn't worked for the last nine versions, they somehow make you feel that if only you had this one, you would be complete. <laughs> You'd, uh, what, but you know, what is it for you? It can be any kind of thing, actually, not just a gadget that you kind of feel you must have the next upgrade to, any kind of thing. Um, if only you had dot, dot, dot. That successful career, that relationship, that overseas holiday, that bank balance, then finally you'd be satisfied, you'd be okay, you'd be at rest, But just like, just like old Mick Jagger, we find that, if you know the song, we can't get no satisfaction. We can't. After six months, the phone feels clunky and out of date. Your career relentlessly pushes you to the next thing with no end in sight. You realise that that relationship can't fulfil you in the way you'd hoped and longed for, the, the amount of money in the bank you need to feel okay just keeps rising so that it's just a little bit more than what's currently there. Jesus knew all about this. Jesus knew about this and over the next two weeks we're going to sit in this really 
spectacular teaching of Jesus about hunger, about this hunger. Um, he uses the miracle he's just performed. If you were here last week, you'll know we, we looked at that miracle of Jesus feeding uh, probably about fifteen to 20,000 people with a, a, a few loaves of bread and a few pieces of fish. Uh, so he performs this incredible miracle. But then he uses that to talk about this deeper spiritual hunger uh, and gives us a liberating promise of satisfaction and fullness. Um, we're going to hear over the next couple of weeks more fully how, that, how Jesus reflects on that, particularly next week. We'll focus in on that more, how Jesus goes about this and what that looks like to satisfy this hunger. Before we get there, though, what Jesus does is he needs to kind of clear the ground so the people he's talking to understand what he's talking about. Uh, he needs to clear the ground to deal with some wrong thinking that's going on. That's, this wrong thinking is going to stop people receiving what Jesus has to give. It's going to stop people from receiving what Jesus is giving. He he wants to kind of recalibrate things. He wants to recalibrate the hearts and the minds of the people he's talking to because they're on the wrong track. And So you get this sense of confusion with this crowd as we pick up the story. Uh, Jesus has just fed the crowd. Uh, we saw that after the miracle last week, if you can remember that passage, um, so after he's done this, Jesus goes up onto the mountain alone, away from everyone else, and his disciples jump in a boat and cross over the uh, cross over the lake that they're next to. Um, Jesus uh, meets them in the middle of the storm at the, on the lake, if you remember, uh, walking on the water, another incredible, miraculous thing Jesus does, and carries them over to the other side. Um, but you pick it up in verse 22. The, the, the crowd see the disciples go off. They see Jesus not go with them. Uh, and verse 22, the next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples but that they'd gone away alone. Uh, so where is Jesus? Is what they're sort of confused about. Where is this guy who fed us this incredible amount of food? Verse 23, and some boats from Tiberias and other place around the, around the lake uh, landed, big lake by the way, um, huge lake. Uh, some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Verse 24, once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So you get the picture, right? This crowd is confused. They, they knew Jesus' disciples had set off the night before. Um, but morning comes and Jesus is nowhere in sight. Um, they obviously, they, they're longing to see him. They're, they're so drawn to him. They have to find him. So they, they, uh, there's this bunch of boats, for some reason, come to where they are. Uh, and you can picture this huge crowd clambering onto these boats to go and follow their disciples. Presumably not all of them fitted on the, the boats. We're not told how many went. But the, a large crowd of these people went over on these boats to where they knew the disciples had gone. Uh, because they want to see Jesus. And when they do find him, you do notice this as we read through, the reception he gives them is maybe not what they were expecting. So verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Uh, and Jesus does this all the time. He kind of sees behind the question. 
and doesn't really answer the question but goes deeper to the heart of what's going on. They want to know how he got there. They, they're kind of confused. They can't figure it out. But Jesus knows underneath that there's this heart issue that, that, that needs recalibrating with them. Uh, verse 26, Jesus answers, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's one of Jesus' ways of talking about himself, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. It's a bit kind of, you've got to get under what Jesus is saying here. The crowd were there. They did see what Jesus did. Uh, on a surface level, they saw the sign, but the problem was, is they didn't understand that it was a sign. Um, a sign something that points away from itself to another reality. It points away from itself. Um, Jesus wasn't, he didn't just feed the crowds because they were hungry and uh, he thought that might be nice to give them some food. That would be a good thing to do, but that's not why Jesus did it simply to kind of fill up their bellies. He did it so they would follow the sign and see this much more significant, deeper truth about who he is, what he came to do. The crowd don't get it. They, they, they just know that this guy miraculously dished out a feed yesterday and they want more. Okay. Um, and Jesus says that, that, that's just food that spoils don't work for that. Don't set your heart on that. You put your energy into that. There's, there's another food, another source of life, of your sustenance. Uh, you leave your bread out long enough and it'll go mouldy, right, and hard. The, the most extreme encounter I've, I can remember I've had with spoilt food was um, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I used to have this canvas backpack for school. We didn't have these fancy big backpacks they have today. Yeah. I had this old canvas backpack and uh, I remember distinctly at the end of one summer holiday getting out my, um, my backpack to get ready for school the next year. Uh, and uh, I opened up the front pocket and inside was this fuzzy, squishy ball. I thought, oh, what's going on? And it took me a second to realise I hadn't eaten my orange on the last day of school the previous year and it had been sitting there all summer. <laughs> uh, Food, food spoils, right? Food, food spoils. It doesn't take a summer holiday to spoil your food. It doesn't take that long at all. But this food Jesus is talking about will never spoil. It will last for eternity. It will endure to eternal life. And Jesus, uh, just like Jesus gave out physical bread when he fed the crowd, he gives out this food too. He gives it out. So that's recalibration number one, right? It kind of reorients them. Don't focus on the physical food Jesus gave and miss the fact that it was just a sign. It was a sign pointing to this deeper reality. Um, it can be possible to fall into the same, a similar kind of trap for us, I think. Um, Jesus did so much earthly good. He was full of compassion. Uh, he relieved people's pain and distress and hunger and it's good when we do that, it's right that we do that. Um, but that wasn't the only thing or even the main thing that he came to do. He, 
He didn't just want to fill people for one day. He came to fill them forever, eternally. In Jesus' own words, from a different part of the Bible, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Or maybe we can sort of rephrase that a little here. What good would it be to satisfy someone's physical hunger only but leave them spiritually starving? Don't miss the sign, Jesus says. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Well, the crowd goes on. Jesus knows they need, they need a second kind of recalibration, a second reorientation. They, they've got it wrong. They pick up this idea of working. Oh, Jesus says, don't work for food that spoils, work for food that endures to eternal life. And they pick this up, idea up and they view it through a kind of serious religious person's viewpoints. Um, if this is the food we need to work for, well, okay, what, what do I need to do to earn it? Okay, well, tell, tell me what I need to do, Jesus. What, what are the ten steps to it, uh, food that lasts forever? And I'll do them. Verse 28, they ask, what must we do to do the work that God requires? Um, Jesus has already hinted at this. The, the crowd didn't do anything to earn the physical bread the day before, did they? All they did was bring their hunger to him. Um, Jesus just gave them the food the day before. Um, back in verse 27, the Son of Man will give this eternal food to them. It's a gift. So Jesus enters. There's, there's, he, there's a kind of work, I guess, if you want to use that language. There's a kind of work, something on your part that needs to happen for you to eat this food. But it's not the kind of work you're thinking of, Jesus tells these guys. It's not kind of work that earns it at the end of the day. You do enough and then you'll get it. That's not what's going on. That wasn't what happened with the physical bread Jesus gave. It's not what happens with his spiritual bread that he gives out. You can't earn this food. Uh, uh, the, the, the work, the, the kind of thing on our part that we do, right, the work of, is the work of someone who receives a gift. Jesus answers in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Again, one of those moments where Jesus kind of takes where they're going and <laughs> heads it in another direction. The work of God is this, not to earn this bread by doing uh, an endless list of things that you need to do, but just to believe in the one that he has sent. That's what believing is, or what faith is. If you have the picture of those guys as they received that physical bread, holding out their empty hands, that's what trusting in Jesus is, what faith is holding out empty hands to receive God's gift, the one he has sent. Uh, all, they, all they bring is their hunger and need. And Jesus gives freely. Okay, so don't miss the sign. Jesus isn't just about um, feeding people for one day here and now. He's on about something much more glorious and eternal than that. Don't try to earn your way in. Jesus isn't a kind of pay-as-you-go Jesus. Uh, uh, he'll give you eternal bread if you give him X, Y, and Z. Um, that's not what's going on. There's a third recalibration Jesus needs to talk about. It, it kind of is a bit of a gear shift there in verse 30. They start to see Jesus, they, they realize Jesus is making these huge claims. Uh, he doesn't just want them to come to him 
with empty stomachs for a free feed. Uh, He wants them to come to him with their empty souls and to entrust their whole lives to him. Um, So that's a big call, right? It's not just a kind of vending machine that they can put something in and get out a free feed. Jesus wants them to come to him with their deeper emptiness that only he can fill and to entrust their whole lives. So they kind of start to click into that and click onto that and uh, they, they press back. Verse 30, they want more. So they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're talking about this key time in the history of God's people, of Israel in the Old Testament. You might know the story about 1,500 years before Jesus, Moses, the great prophet of the Old Testament, had led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, He led them out with great signs and wonders. They'd spent 40 years wandering around in this wilderness and every morning God provided um, this bread-like kind of thing called manna. They'd go out every morning and be there on the ground and they'd it had sustained them all the journey through to the promised land. Um, and it may be that the crowd is saying to Jesus here, well, when Moses led us into the wilderness, we had bread every day. See where they're getting at? You fed us yesterday. Uh, so how about doing it again? Give us another sign. If you want us to believe you, give us more. Give us another sign. It's a classic trap, I think, for people who want the next spiritual hit. The crowd is drawn to the spectacular, uh, the here and now, the impressive miracles that Jesus is doing. They don't want Jesus so much as they want what Jesus can give them. Um, they want an on-demand Jesus. Uh, on-demand on is sort of a new thing, or relatively new thing. You can just get whatever you want whenever you want. You've got Netflix, you've got whatever you want on demand on TV. Um, they want an on-demand Jesus. But the on-demand Jesus, well, it's not the real Jesus, and he won't satisfy. One sign is never enough. We want another and another and another. Jesus doesn't want them to come to his signs and put their faith in them to, in a way, almost idolise them he wants them to see what they are. They're signs. They, they point to him. They point away from themselves and to his glory. He wants them to come to him and put their faith in him. That's really where Jesus goes in the rest of this passage. What happened in the Exodus that Moses bringing the guys out, it really wasn't about how impressive Moses was, about all the miraculous, incredible things that he had done. That wasn't really what was going on. It was about God, how he had provided for his people to be saved out of their slavery, to have their sin dealt for by the blood of the Lamb, and to come into the promised land. Uh, And Jesus says that great exodus um, in the Old Testament, that great exodus, that was all just a warm-up act 
for what was happening right here and now with Jesus. That was all just a warm-up act. Jesus says to him in verse 20, uh, 32, Truly I tell you, it, was, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus goes right to the heart again. He didn't come into the world to give bread. He came into the world to be bread. The manna that came down from heaven and sustained God's people as they travelled from slavery to the promised land, that manna was just a sign pointing to the true bread, the true bread from heaven that gives life to the world, that sustains God's people as they travel to the real promised land, the new creation God is bringing in. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He gives himself, not just things that come from him. He gives his very self. And the ultimate way that he did that was, as you read through this gospel, uh, the ultimate way that he did that was through giving his own body on the cross to be broken for us. It's like bread is broken. His body was broken on the cross uh, in order to be spiritual food that eternally satisfies. Um, We're going to get to the rest of this passage from... I sort of stopped a little bit short of where we read up to today. We're going to think more about the rest of it next week because what happens now is everyone, uh, Jesus starts to talk about, well, if, so he's made this amazing claim. He is the bread of life. He is the one who can satisfy you with food that will not spoil. Uh, he can fill up your hunger. We're going to talk next week, and Jesus will talk to us next week in the rest of this passage about why it is that not everyone believes that not why why is it that some don't believe why do some um, not receive this incredible gift um, we'll think a little bit that and other things next week but today um, how do you eat this how do you actually eat this bread um, there's no reason for anyone today why they shouldn't eat this bread. It, it's kind of a bit of a weird concept to get your head around, right? Like Jesus is using picture language, he's using metaphor. Um, he, he isn't actual bread, so you, know, you kind of don't physically go up to eat, take a chunk out of his arm or something. It's, it's, uh, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper next and we'll reflect again kind of more on this next week. Um, uh, next week, I, what, what we'll reflect on is Jesus isn't here. He's not actually talking about the Lord's Supper as if kind of the physical act of eating it and drinking it somehow connects you to God simply by doing that regardless of what's going on in your hearts. Um, no, Jesus isn't talking about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is talking about Jesus and is talking about what the same reality that Jesus is talking about here. When it comes to spiritual hunger, 
Jesus is the only food that will satisfy you eternally. Um, and Jesus himself tells us, he tells us actually, we just read it, how it is that we eat this food. What does he say? Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me, trusts me, entrusts their life to me as the one who will satisfy them here and into eternity. Whoever comes and puts their trust in me, that's it. That's how you eat this bread. Recognize your need and lack. Come to Jesus with your hands not full of yourself and your own good works, but just like those people, empty, empty-handed to receive the life that he gives you, the life that he won for you at the cross. Come to him and believe in him. It's really easy. Um, if you're a Christian, been a Christian for a little while, maybe you'll recognize this in yourself. It's very easy to um, kind of slip from this. As a, as a kind of active thought in your mind to start just subtly over time going to other things in order to find that feeling that you long for. Uh, Jesus holds uh, other things, maybe it's another project, the next thing on the horizon, another experience or another, per, another person. Jesus holds out himself as the true bread of life. And maybe as we share the Lord's Supper, that will be a time for you to kind of just reflect and recognize those other things that you are looking for, for that deeper meaning and satisfaction and purpose and to reorient, recalibrate your heart uh, to, to again come to Jesus and feed on him by faith. It might be that you're not a Christian with us today and perhaps God is stirring your heart to find your satisfaction, your, your longing and, uh, to seek him, to find your peace in him. As, as the bread and the juice come around later, just let those go past you if that's you. Um, this time around, perhaps just let those go past you and don't take them Take the one that they point to. Take the one that they, these are, there's nothing special, magical in, or anything going on there by simply taking it. Take the one that they point to. Take Jesus. He offers his life in place of yours. He promises, and we'll reflect more on this next week, but down in verse 40, this wonderful promise that we'll finish on. This is Jesus' word to all of us. It is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son, it's just another way of saying coming to Jesus and believing in him. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Let's pray together. Lord, we know that our hearts do long for peace and satisfaction and fullness. 
but we also know that our hearts are just so restless. Um, we keep looking to find that contentment and satisfaction in, in all the wrong places uh, when you offer it freely to us in the Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for all of us, wherever we're at, that we might hear Jesus' offer of true, lasting life, of eternal satisfaction. Uh, Father, please, for those of us who have taken of the bread of Jesus, who um, have come to him and believed in him, Lord, keep us from, from that kind of um, lie that can take root in our hearts that says that tells us to find that satisfaction elsewhere. Keep us keep continually coming to Jesus and um, having him as our sustenance and our life as we travel towards the promised land. Um, Father, we pray for those who are still exploring Jesus and don't know him yet as Lord and Saviour. Uh, please work in all of, that, all of our hearts. Please reveal yourself. Um, Lord, and we pray that we might feed on you by faith with thanksgiving in our hearts. And we pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.